0: We are back with another episode of The Daily Vedantic. We are in the 20-part series of the Bhagavad Gita, the world's most famous poem. I'd go so far as to say also the dopest poem on this planet, and uh, I can't speak to others, but as far as the poems I've come across, it's by far the dopest on this planet. You can go back two episodes where we lay out the 20-part series of this dialogue between the warrior prince, Arjuna, and his charioteer, Krishna, right before this huge battle, this battle that's been 13 years in the making, a civil war with this as the pivotal battle, and Arjuna, the warrior prince, is just having a total meltdown right in the middle of the battlefield. I've talked about how fascinating of a backdrop this is to a spiritual philosophical text. It's the most fascinating, by far the most fascinating that i I've come across in studying Western and Eastern philosophy, it's just a beautiful narrative arc. And I am continually mystified of why I never came across it or heard anyone talk about it till I was about 30. It was about eight years ago. And part of that reason is it's, we've only had it in the West for about 200 years. It was a British general that had it translated into English in about 1785. So we haven't had it for very long. There certainly is the resistance to it because of religious reasons, um, although I, it, it fits as so many notable thinkers um, have articulated, fits hand in glove with Christ's words, with the words of Buddha. Um, it's, it's beautiful in that symmetry. And in this 20-part series, we're going over the top 10 major themes, just my opinion selection, of the top 10 major themes, themes like duty, action, union with the divine detachment, nature reality, the immortality of the soul, righteousness and ethics, the illusion of the of the material world, inner peace and self-control, all the way to the minor themes, the themes that are not not very widely discussed when the Gita comes up, but I wanna cover in the daily Vedantic, things like the interplay of fate and free will, significance of contextual ethics, the value of questioning and doubt, the concept of renunciation and the misconceptions we have around renunciation, which is so huge for for the ashram that's discussed um, at length of the misconceptions of a spiritual path, the thought that you need to renounce Possessions and, and go live in a cave um, just is so anathema to the actual philosophy. But today's episode is the third part in the series and it is on karma. Karma means action. It also for many people it can represent this cosmic scoreboard, but in that sense, it's, it's just cause and effect based on our actions, but it could also mean service. Karma yoga is the yoga of service. So we're gonna cover a few of these within this theme of of action that the Gita deals with. We covered duty yesterday, and that obviously is related very much to action, our duty and which actions fall within our duty. But I actually wanna start this off with how Vedanta defines right action. Right action from the Vedantic perspective is defined as that which generates energy. It is not a legalistic philosophy or it's one of the reasons it's not a religion. There are no thou shalts and thou shalt nots, shoulds or shouldn'ts. It actually simply outlines that right action is that which generates energy. Is what you're about to do going to generate energy over time for you? Or is it going to dissipate energy? Is that uh, extra drink right before you especially right before you get behind a wheel of a car, is that going to generate energy or is that going to dissipate your energy long-term? Is that going to generate the right habits? That decision to not go to the gym or to have a second pint of ice cream. And I've been there, but did that second pint of ice cream, did that generate energy within me? It certainly got my, got my stomach going, all that, dairy, but did it generate energy or was I suffering from that decision uh, pretty much the entirety of the next day? That is the difference of right action and wrong action within Vedanta. And the Gita deals with this concept of right action. And certainly karma yoga, the yoga of action as being a path to the divine, a path to liberation, a path to the Supreme path to moksha, nirvana, you could, to heaven, all of these words are speaking about the same thing. A path to liberation through action, through right action. The Gita in its 701 verses talks about the twofold path to liberation, action, and knowledge. And for those that only need knowledge, the introverts, the ones that are already inward turned. I don't mean introverted in terms of personality. I mean introverted, meaning already going inward for that inner development. Then knowledge is the path. Krishna, charioteer, the symbolic embodiment of God, then outlines for those that are outwardly focused, which is the vast majority, which is, it might be people like you and me, for those action, is the path to exhaust and eliminate desires and then turn inward to where knowledge takes us the rest of the way. And it is almost like this left foot, right foot, action, knowledge, action, knowledge, action, knowledge. And you wake up and you're where you wanna be. This major theme, right action, wrong action, the yoga of of action, the yoga of service, and the fact that action, itself gets us to where we are going is is so helpful and beautiful in a discipline where it could be so easy to choose to not act and spend all your time with books removed from the world removed from service towards others and the gita is explicit it is clear that that would be the wrong path for arjuna this warrior prince who needs to act, who needs to actually fight this battle. We all have these battles within ourselves that we need to fight. The war within ourselves, the war between insatiable desire and service and duty, responsibility, our pursuit of peace. And that war requires action. And it really requires not only reading, but reflecting for years, if not lifetimes on the Gita, to really understand what it is saying when it comes to action. But I will round out this episode, this overview within the Gita that can properly orient us around our duty, around what we're about to do, around doing itself, and can make sure we don't have an improper orientation around it. The one that pretty much most of the world is oriented around. Our right is in action. Action is as Swami will say often, the insignia of life. You cannot exist without acting. Action is fundamental to life, but our right is not in the fruits of our action. Said another way, we are called to act, but we are also called to have no identification whatsoever with the fruits of our action. No results orientation of what this is going to do for me how this is gonna benefit me. If I fight this battle and win this war, what it's gonna do for me. If I get that promotion, if I do this work properly, if I nail this task, what it's gonna do for me. If I serve the community, what kudos am I gonna get from them? What admiration will I get from them if I build out this charitable organization, if I donate this $10 million check? There is a ruthless elimination of any thoughts of relationship between our actions and the fruits of our actions within the Gita, within Krishna's advice. And the reason is simple. That orientation around the fruits of our actions will subvert, will malign our actions themselves. Going into that game seven of the NBA finals, if you're a point guard and you're maniacally obsessed of what this is gonna do for you if you can win, is going to completely subvert your ability to perform optimally in that game. But if we disconnect from the fruits and we just say, hey, I've got a role to play. I've been practicing basketball all my life. Pretty decent point guard. I've been preparing. And now there's a game where my team needs me to perform. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna give it my all. And I I have no idea how it's gonna shake out, but that's how you optimally perform, whether it is game seven of the NBA finals, or whether it is that work task in front of you, that community project that would benefit your neighbors. They all benefit most. You benefit most when you are completely present with the action in front of you and not anxiously caught up and the fruits. The fruits of your actions are not yours. And that is one of the most fundamental themes within the Bhagavad Gita. Not just in some legalistic way, but in a paradoxical yet practical and profound way makes your action have more results, be more impactful. And that was today's episode on the Daily Vedantic. We'll see you tomorrow when we cover yoga and all the various forms that the Gita talks about. We'll see you next time.